With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of Winging It Motown Radio. We skipped a week last week. We were all a little upset. We didn't really want to talk to each other or talk about the Red Wings. But uh, we're back and we're ready to talk. Things are going a little bit better for us and for the team. Uh, Tonight we've got uh, your host, me, Kyle. Uh, We've got JJ, we've got Lauren, and we've got Graham on the horn tonight, ready to talk a little bit of Red Wings hockey and maybe a little other team's hockey. Uh, How are we doing tonight, folks? I am so way less angry now than (laughs) I was last week. Right. Yeah, I think um, I'm a lot better now than I was about three hours ago. Oh, for sure. Yeah, same over here. Uh, Definitely feeling less stressed about hockey things than about a week ago so yeah it's uh it's, it's been it's, it's been, been a stressful it's been a stressful week um especially last week where everything seemed to have been crashing down around us um things all of a sudden have brightened uh this this the uh, clouds have parted in the city of detroit or kansas or Western Michigan, or the Chicagoland area for you city guys. City of Kansas. Yeah, the <laughs> city of Kansas. <whatever. laughs> <laughs> Wherever you live, BFE Kansas. Um, no, we are a giant city, the entire state. Just Don't flatter yourself. It's like No, y'all keep song. flying over, you don't even notice. We, we <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, anyway. Our house now. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Red Wings riding a two-game win streak. Um, I mean... Whatever. Uh, the, the wins are great. Uh, they weren't exactly super inspiring, but wins are wins at this point in the season. Um, what really has helped is uh, the Boston Bruins just absolutely bottoming out and just not being that good of a team. On the flip side, the Flyers have been uh, doing pretty well for themselves, as uh, as they have been for quite some time. Um so we sit tonight after the Bruins lost to the Hurricanes in a shootout, in a two-to-one shootout. Um, Noah Hannafin, uh, beautiful American boy from the U.S. of A. Uh, I just want to go ahead and extend my my thanks to the Hurricanes because that was great. I was not ex- I was not um, ready to look watch a whole game and have the Bruins win that would have really sucked I would have been in a bad mood and I'm in a good mood now so um thanks to the Hurricanes thanks to their fans that's great Bill Peters you're beautiful um I mean how do we feel right now going into tomorrow the Red Wings obviously have a back-to-back against the uh the Flyers and the Bruins so pretty much two teams that are uh either ahead of us or riding or uh, that are kind of you know right at the coattails of the Red Wings playoff contention um I mean, these are two really big games. I mean, they are season-defining games. If the Red Wings go out and lay an egg in both of these games, then it's not looking so good. But all they really need to do is win in regulation against Boston. But why stop there? Why not win out the season, which is completely possible, uh, Philadelphia just being the one um, obstacle to climb. How do you guys feel about it going into, uh, in- into the first game tomorrow? 
Don't all jump on it. <laughs> I feel good. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, all signs are kind of pointing to them not winning, right? Because Phillies had their number all year, and then they have to go on a back-to-back, which they've sucked at all season, into Boston in basically what is a playoff-clinching win. And Boston's going to be playing for their lives because – a Detroit win in regulation that in that game, regardless of whatever else happens in any of their other games. If Detroit beats Boston in regulation, they're in. Boston's out. That's It's that simple. Well, let me say Boston's not out, but Detroit is in. So Boston's going to be playing for their life and, uh, you know, playing pretty desperate, and Detroit's going to be tired. So um, the feeling is that it's not going to work. They're not going to play well, and they're going to they're going to lose both. I think they're going to get three out of four points, and I think they're going to beat Boston. I think it's going to be it's going to be one of those games where the old vets just one more time, like like what they did in um, against Dallas uh, twenty against Dallas in twenty thirteen. Yeah, the where basically game. yeah, where they he just they, the vets just basically put the team on their back and get them in the playoff. Yeah, I'm fully yeah, expecting I'm a fully loss expect. against Philadelphia because it's just like nothing, like nothing has been easy for this team. We won the last won the two last games, games that looked like they could have like been easy, and they just weren't. Um, in 2016 so far, we have three winning streaks of three games uh, and none since February. So I, I just expect it to all come down to Boston on Thursday. Um I'm not. I don't think we match up very well against either team, honestly. But it, it, that's. I don't know. It's a little tough to say that we don't necessarily match up well against Boston because Boston has a defensive core that is every bit as bad as ours is, and so it's all going to come down to who in the lineup gets to take advantage of that. that. Uh, you know, Boston has Krejci and Bergeron and and Marchand and Marchand who are really good. Um, if we match those, I think we can get them on depth. Uh, but I, yeah, I, just, I don't want to look past Philly because honestly, if we win the game against Philly, then we're leaving ourselves even more outs too. It's just I, uh, I'm going to go with Graham. I'll say that we'll get three points out of it, but uh, that we're not going to go exactly happy. I just don't want Saturday to matter at all. I want to just watch that Rangers game with a we've already made it. I don't care if we lose. Let's play Athens and Mantha all sixty freaking minutes. Um, because we're getting ready for the yeah. postseason. It was kind of like uh, that game against the Blues a couple of years back where they, they called up Sproul, and uh, yeah. the, the game didn't matter, and they just whooped the Blues' asses. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Lauren, how do you feel about it? Um, cautiously optimistic. Um, I just, you know, I kind of share the same sentiment about Philadelphia where, you know, it's like, you know, it's it's not a game at the Wells Fargo Center where we haven't won a game since 1997. Um, but... You know, you just, yeah, you just get this sense of, like, it's not going to be an easy game at all because of how well Philadelphia is playing and just because that's the theme of the year um, for the Wings. But, um, you know, it is it is also our our home, our final home game of the year. So it's it's one of those things where you hope that the the team's going to pull it out and, you know, get the win for the, the fan appreciation night um, and all that stuff. But, yeah, you just, I, I can't get a get a feel for how I think it's going to go and then Boston you know there's just you just never know um kind of what's going to happen there either because it's in Boston but they've struggled at home and um you know we're we're going to be fighting to clinch and Boston's going to be fighting for their playoff lives ideally um so yeah same kind of thing I don't I I can't get a gut feeling on either of these two games um and I actually will not be able to watch either of them because of work so (laughs) 
I will be following Bummer. along on my phone, unfortunately, for both of those games. So I also well, hope that the Rangers game doesn't matter because then I don't have to, you know, come back to the final game of the season after having missed, you know, the the other remaining two and, you know, have to be a nervous wreck for the whole thing. So Right. Well it sounds kinda like it's a it's a it's a blend of cautiously optimistic around around the uh you know around the dais here. Um I guess uh what what the next question should be is should the Red Wings clinch a playoff spot wherever it may be, where exactly do we want to end up and what team do we feel is the best matchup? And I think the the uh the knee jerk reaction there right now is the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean you look at them um and their depleted lineup. Uh Steven Stamkos is out one to three months with a blood clot in his arm, which he underwent a uh successful surgery for. Good for him. Um hoping the best in his future career with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And um, you know, they also don't have Anton Strollman, who is I their number two guy. And then um Victor Hedman did not play tonight and they lost against the Rangers. So um I mean I don't know how long Hedman's going to be out, but it sounds like that they are the most favorable matchup as of right now out of the three possible teams, and that's the Panthers, the Capitals, and the uh, the Lightning. Uh, and you guys, what it, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm pretty sure we all pretty much we we probably agree with that. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, I can see that there are uh, weaknesses in Washington. They haven't been playing very well since they cleansed the President's Trophy, but. Um, Honestly, I would way rather go against a Stamkosless, uh, Strawmanless, uh, potentially Headmanless uh, Tampa Bay. Um, and honestly, I'm not necessarily uh, throwing out the, op- the possibility that Detroit could actually catch Tampa in the standings and end up with the second Atlantic seed and end up at that being a home series. So right now we are uh, four points behind them and we've got a game in hand. So it's not very likely. Um, I mean, technically, we could catch up to the Islanders and end up playing the Cats in the first round. But it's basically down between Washington and Tampa Bay. And, yeah, I'll take the beaten-up team over mm-hmm. the President's Trophy. Right. And I even, like, it's, it's crazy because I even feel like I would be okay. And, it, you know, you can call me crazy for it, but I'd be okay with matching up against the Caps. I don't know, something about it. I am yeah, crazy. We already know I, you're crazy because we already know that you want to play the Capitals. I want to play the Capitals because I feel like they'll just cave like the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl. So I don't know. That's just me, though. Graham, what do you think? You know, I, I mean, Tampa's the, the easy choice because they're they're so injured. I mean, Detroit came basically within a goal <clears throat> of beating them last year, and that was when they were at full strength. I mean, you take off Stamkos and Strawman. I mean, Stamkos didn't score in that playoff series last year, but they still had to plan for him. Um, it just so happened that the triplets got super hot and that's what you know what ultimately ended up beating them um but if you don't even have to worry about him and then you can then put your best defensive players uh you know you can match up luke glendening against the the triplets all the time i mean they'll (laughs) they'll just basically sweep them (laughs) four straight and there'll be they won't even score a goal but i i would be i mean washington's an amazing team and they are without a doubt the absolute clear favorite to go to the east having said that they have I don't know how much I how much stock I put into past failures affecting current teams, but there is like that core group of players has never won. They, I mean, really, the only player they brought in that has any sort of major experience is Justin Williams, and he's one guy. And there is something to be said when you are playing the President's Trophy winners 
and you are a huge underdog, there is literally no pressure on you. And for a team like the Red Wings, if they get in and they're playing well, and they get the key will be if they get great goaltending because that's the only way they're going to beat Washington. No matter what Washington's issues are, if Detroit doesn't get phenomenal goaltending, they're they're not going to win because they can't match up with Washington really anywhere else. Uh, yeah, but if they get like say say that Mrazek reclaims the starting job and goes and plays like he did against Tampa last year, it's not out of the question that an upset could happen. I mean, Washington's great, but they're not they're not unbeatable. Honestly, the one team in, in the East I would not want to play in which they can't is Pittsburgh right now because they're insanely hot. Um, yeah, we're against them. Uh, yeah, I mean, they yeah. gave up, what, 17 goals in three games against them? I mean, I think Pittsburgh would annihilate them in a four-game series. Um, I, I think, honestly, if, if Detroit wants to advance, I think they need to stay within the Atlantic because I think if you get into the Metro and you're looking at a second-round matchup with probably Pittsburgh because I think they beat either the Rangers or Islanders, depending on who they play, I don't, I don't foresee that as a as something that happens. Yeah, it, yeah it so that's the thing. That... If you flip the script and we're, you know, you wait just a few days and we're no longer floating on unicorn boners and puppy blood uh, to be really happy about everything. Um, Washington might be a more favorable matchup because honestly, losing to Washington in the first round isn't as devastating as losing to Tampa in the first round for the second year in a row. Uh, obviously, beating Tampa would be, I think, it would be more more entertaining than beating Washington, although knocking the President's Trophy out of the first round would be really satisfying for a Red Wings team that kind of hasn't ever had to deal with that. Yeah, uh, and I, I feel like the uh, um, looking at uh, the other side of it, the Penguins, obviously, they'll match up against, as you said, the, as said before, the Rangers or the Islanders. I think the Rangers and the Islanders are going to get absolutely rolled in the first round because um, those teams, they might be worse off than the Red Wings are in terms of first-round matchups, assuming that the Red Wings make the playoffs. Um, I don't want to be too overly optimistic right now. We'll, we'll, we'll talk next week, and, uh, and we'll, we'll react accordingly. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it seems like the consensus is that it's going to be – it should be Tampa. Um, but, I mean, let's, let's look at the flip side of things. What if we do draw the Florida Panthers? I mean, how do we feel about that? That's a really, really nice blended it's team. They have a lot of uh, – they have a lot of uh, – Veteran leadership, whatever you whatever want to call, call it, in the army, army is, um, appears to be ageless. And then you have, uh, you know, their really young core of forwards and defensemen in Aaron Ackblad, uh, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberto. And then they have, you know, Yuri Hoodler and then Roberto Luongo, who are also very, very good players. Um, I mean, would a matchup like that, should, should that be a matchup that would worry you in the first round? Because for me, I feel like that's probably a pretty ugly matchup for the Red Wings. I think that the the Panthers might might take that one because they are pretty much better across the chart for the most part. They um uh, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say I know they do have um a couple of injuries. I think I saw on Twitter today that Gabranson and Barkov are both hurt. Um Barkov played tonight, so I don't know. Did he oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it was Trocheck, not Barkov. Oh, okay. Trocek. Yeah, who is a very good player for them, so Yep, um, I distinctly remember at least two goals, I think, from him in the season series this year. So, um, yeah, so they have those two injuries, and then they also have Jakob Kindle, and we know how Jakob Kindle works playing hockey. And I oh, think God, uh, Jakob Kindle in the playoffs <laughs> would be awful. 
God. Yeah, we'd get we'd yeah, probably that get would be bad. by him. Hey, God, that would suck. He almost he almost single handedly beat the Blackhawks a couple of years ago. I mean, <laughs> it's honestly that series is the reason why he got the contract he did that ultimately resulted in him getting traded. So maybe maybe that'll happen with Florida. Maybe they'll extend him for six years at uh, eight million per. <laughs> Honestly, I mean the the Panthers are still in my mind a paper tiger. They are not a, a contending team, even though they're going to win the Atlantic. Uh, I mean, they've already won the Atlantic. Uh, they, they just got a lot of a lot of luck. Uh, they're a good young team, I and mean, they're not garbage or anything. But they they have the feel of the Nashville team that we lost in the first round too. And I just don't want to do that again. I just don't want to play Florida at all. So go Islanders and win a game, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, so I guess we pretty much covered everything in, in terms of uh, playoff probabilities and all of that fun stuff. And the week that is to be that is probably going to give me a, a gonna <laughs> give me an ulcer, or I will at the very least have a stroke, um, depending on how the games go. I guess we can move on to a more depressing topic if <laughs> if that's even possible. Um, Reports had uh, surfaced from Elliot Friedman on the uh, Hockey Night in Canada broadcast on Saturday when we were playing the Leafs. Uh, yeah, we were playing the Leafs. Um, that Pavel Daszak was mulling the idea of returning to Russia after this season and forfeiting his last year in his contract. Um, even though he is forfeiting it, uh, the Red Wings would still be stuck with the uh, dinner bill of $7.5 million dollars. Uh, basically dead money uh, for one year because he signed his contract when he was 36, so he's over 35 years old, and CBA kind of has like a little clause in there that says any player that signs a contract, a, uh, an extension like that would uh, basically, if he retires or he, uh, he backs out, uh, the team would be on the hook for that money. Um, there's been a lot to unpack with this. There's been a lot of uh, wishy-washy rumors back and forth um, in, in, in the course of three or four days. Um, uh, just to give you guys a quick breakdown, I'm sure you've you've read it on the website. If you if you don't read the website, you should. Um, basically, the initial report was that Datsuk wanted to return because of family reasons. Um, Datsuk made it known that he wants to leave his family out of it, and then Friedman kind of backpedaled and, and and said that the Red Wings might try and give an incentive another of a, another one year extension to try and keep him here, which didn't make any sense. Um, and then he also kind of riffed on the idea that if he were to leave the NHL or the Red Wings or both could uh, essentially bar him from playing in the KHL, um, uh, you know, basically through the, uh, the International Ice Hockey Federation. Um, uh, they, they basically could bar him from it because of the agreement that they have. So I don't know. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of emotion to talk with uh, about here. Um, JJ, I'm going to hand it off to you because um, I feel like you might be able to to riff on this uh, the the most and possibly the most level headedness here. Um, how do you feel about it, and what are your thoughts on it? Man, I've been trying not to say anything because I've been wor- right. worried about my ability to be right. level headed in it. Um, it's a it's a big mess from the from the standpoint. The, there's a lot of people who really hate the 35 and over rule, and I get it. But I understand why the 35 and over rule exists, and it's because if you had a guy who was 40 years old and you wanted to to fit him under the cap, you could sign him to a seven-year deal that backdives as much as deals 
can possibly backdive. Now, it's not as severe as, like, the Hosa deal can, but you can pay the guy $10 million and get, like, a, a $7 million cap hit out of it and say, oh, that, that's great because of the AAV, and then he retires in year two, and you're totally off the hook on that, and that's a blatant circumvention of the cap. So they just made it illegal. Um, I believe I fully believe that Datsuk signed the three-year deal in good faith. Um, if he does leave, uh, there's, there's basically no way other than... Datsuk spent not playing hockey next year that the Red Wings that there's no 7.5 million dollar cap hit um so if he it's possible that he uh he goes on injured reserve for all of next year and just doesn't play but that doesn't help him because he can't play in the KHL if he does that either he's literally with the Red Wings or he could go hang out in Russia but he couldn't play while on long-term injured reserve uh it's possible he could be traded by the Red Wings and then essentially retire out of his contract. And it's not exactly a retirement, it's basically Kobolchuk retirement, where he gets put on unconditional waivers, nobody picks him up, and then they mutually terminate the contract. Now, the team that would trade for him wouldn't have to pay his his salary, which is only like $5.5 million on the $7.5 million cap hit. Uh, they wouldn't actually have to pay that money, but it would still remain on the cap. And that would free him up to actually go play in the KHL. Um I don't see the long-term injured reserve thing happening at all. If yeah. the trade thing happens, it's got to come. He's he's basically got to tell Ken Holland, listen, Kenny, I'm done. Uh, I'm going back to the KHL. Whatever has to happen, he's got to waive his no-trade clause. And then Kenny has to call up all the other GMs and say, listen, I've got a $7.5 million cap hit I want to get rid of. Um, you want a seventh-round pick? You want future considerations? You want to help getting to the floor, basically, We'll trade Pavel's contract to you. He retires with you instead. You get stuck with that seven. And there's a possibility that if that happens, that the NHL would actually say, uh, no, that's too shady. But if they do that, I guarantee you Red, Red Wings fans are going to absolutely riot because they put a freaking guy in the Hall of Fame this year who is not technically retired and who works for the league. So if they're going to pull any shit about how that shouldn't count, then, then they can kiss my ass because honestly... They're the ones who made dead cap space a commodity, so they're the ones who should suck it up if it actually gets used like that. Um, yeah, it, it really it really strikes me as that if if this uh, this seven point five million cap hit is going to be uh, uh, relinquished in any way, there's going to have to be some closed door agreement there. Um, like you said, Pavel would have to go to Ken Holland and say, "Listen, I'm out." And I, I'm talking like the day that they're done, like they're eliminated from the playoffs, or they just won the cup, or they were, or anything of of the matter. Um, it, 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 you know, he would have to go to him and say, "Listen, I'm out. I won't announce it right now. We can keep it. We can keep it hush hush. Start making your moves." And it would basically have to go like that. The long term injured reserve thing—that's a weird one, though. I don't know if you have any ideas in your mind, JJ, but it, that seems like a little bit more of a risky move because if he finishes the, uh, you know, the season and the postseason healthy and playing, it seems like that might get a little way, uh, like a lot more shady. So, I mean, do you have any additional thoughts on how that might pan out? Well, I mean, he's got a history of of leg, knee, and ankle right. injuries that he can always just say, listen, I have pain. It hurts me to stand up. Uh, you know, and however truthful any of that is, um, now obviously the league could say, well, you've got to prove how exactly hurt you are or we're going to, we're going to really put the screws to you. Um, 
but you feel with a guy like Pavel Dotsuk, although I don't know, they suspended him for skipping the All-Star game, so who knows what they would do. Um, it feels like they would get away with it, but I just think that the, the concept of Pavel going on long-term injury reserve just isn't going to happen, because if the concept is he wants to go play in Russia, he can't do it like that. So he would actually literally have to be hurt, and that's not something that's uh, that's very good either. Right. So, I mean, I guess, well, I'll pass it off to Lauren and Graham. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on this? And, um, you know, you know, obviously it's an emotional subject, but, you know, so we don't need to we don't need to go too much into that. But what do you think would be the best move for both the team and the player um, that would work out on both ends? Um, Obviously, there's a lot of uh, moving parts here to to analyze. But um, in your guys' opinion, um, what would be the best move, uh, the best outcome for both the player and uh, the, uh, the the organization? Um, Lauren, I'll I'll pass it off to you first. Okay. Um, yeah, like you said, obviously it's a it's an emotionally um, charged topic to think of Datsuk leaving. Um, you know, no one wants to think about the end of his career, even though we we have known it's um, it's we've known it's coming for for a while now. Um, I think. It's the the initial reaction was you know holy cow we could be completely screwed you know if he chooses to leave for Russia you know we're going to be stuck with this cap it or whatever but you know then once we started kind of um, considering the other options where we could actually like have the I I H F um, ban him from playing in the KHL like that's something that um, I didn't really consider at first so I think it it does kind of show that Datsu could be you know, stuck, it's, you know, he either plays hockey for the Red Wings next season, or he doesn't play at all. Um, And that gives me a little bit more comfort, because I feel like, you know, if he was going to go back to Russia to finish his playing career, I don't think he would sacrifice a year, like an entire year off, just so that he wouldn't have to play in the States for another season. Um, I also, there's, there's a, um, a nostalgic part of it too, because he he did just hit um, 950 career games on Saturday in Toronto, um, and then assuming he plays out the other three games still this season, you know he'll get to 953. So he's he's about a half season away from hitting a thousand. You want to see him get to a thousand. Um, you know, there's other milestones you want to see him get to, um, and also you you know I also want to see him play a, a season in the new arena. Um, you know, so there's all these things that kind of go into like what you want to see happen. Um, what I think the best, I, I think the best option for both player and team is going to be him playing here next year because obviously the team gets another year of Pavel Datsuk, and then Datsuk's also not walking away from seven and a half million dollars, and he doesn't sacrifice um, a year of playing hockey in you know whether he's um, you know like I said he's either playing in Detroit or he's not playing at all the next year because of potential, um, you know, decisions by international um, hockey, you know, governing bodies, I guess, um, to prevent him from playing in Russia if he's still on the Red Wings books. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, Graham, uh, what are your, 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 uh, your hot takes on this whole situation? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not like this is the first time this has come up. So, I mean, before he signed his last extension... <clears throat> there were rumors that he was going to go back after he was finished his last contract. And then he signed a three-year deal. And I mean, he's openly talked about how much he enjoyed playing in Russia during the lockout and how tough it was to come back. And 
um, you know, he's, he's a pretty private guy, so you don't know, he doesn't talk a lot, but I mean, it's, um, the reports are that he's got a daughter back in Russia that he doesn't see all the time. And, uh, you know, I have no doubts that he wants to go home and be home full time. Um, I don't think if he knew that he only had one or two years left in him, I just can't see him signing a three year deal and not seeing it all the way through. It just doesn't make any sense to me you know if he thought to himself you know what there's a real possibility excuse me that in two years i'm done in america i'm done i just want to go home i don't see why he would have signed a three-year deal because he could have gotten his seven and a half million you know average that out he could have gotten that no problem um so that wouldn't have been an issue i don't think money's an issue because i know one of the things friedman mentioned was um the possibility of you know enticing him with a one-year extension that well i mean if he's if he's going home for family reasons, what's another year makes doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I'm not the one who's, you know, kind of coming up with that, but I ultimately I think next year is Datsuk's last year. I think he's going to play out his contract and then I think he's done. He's going to retire um and then he'll go back. I don't think this is going to be like a Lidstrom thing where I mean Lidstrom was um, you know, had always talked about wanting to go back to Sweden because his family was back there, but he kind of kept signing his one-year deals. Um, until he until he announced, you know, hey, I'm done. I, I don't see that happening with Datsuk. I think that I think this is it uh, next year for him, uh, and then that'll be that'll be it, and it'll be sad. It will yeah, be sad. pure speculation is just like I think that he's after everything has come out in the last few days uh, with Friedman uh, reporting that, and then kind of changing it to add the maybe they'll try to entice him with another year or maybe they'll they can stop just the way all that's been added plus the the quotes that went out in the uh the greg krupa column where he was i mean because obviously his agent was very cagey and that was very worrisome and he was cagey too but he's always been cagey with the press but the way he was i don't know it, it sounded a little bit more playful to me like you know are you gonna play next year i don't know i could get injured as opposed to um you know like really like hey leave me the hell alone now i, I do appreciate it. it's like leave my family the hell alone um but the total guess there but i'll tell you what i haven't really processed all of it but i i tell you i am simultaneously annoyed with the the talk of you know, step on my nuts, do whatever you want to, Pavel, because you've earned it, and the opposite, and also the the entire opposite of, no, put him in fucking chains because he owes us this last year, uh, both of those sides kind of bother me, because I just kind of, do, I don't want to think about it until I know what's going to happen, and then I'm going to go through a range of emotions. Hopefully, all in just one day, I'll just get all of the rage and sadness out. Right, and in no way you look at no, no matter what way you look at it, it's going to end up in a lot of emotion um, for the team and and for the fans. It's it, whether he leaves now or he leaves later. Um, it, the ending in Pavel Datsuk's career is going to be a painful one. Um, I guess my next question is: we don't have to cover this very long, but. What would be the best case scenario if, let's say, the Red Wings were to somehow find their way out of the cap hit of $7.5 million or be stuck with it in next season if he were to leave, hypothetically speaking? Um, now, obviously, if they were to somehow move that cap hit, if you were to leave by trading it or LTIR, whatever you want to, whatever you want to speculate, it doesn't matter. Um, my, my quick answers are if they don't have the cap hit, then you make a 
fuck run at Steven Stamkos. You throw the you throw the house at him, um, and you make him make it hard to say no to a uh, to a long term contract. Or it, on the flip on the flip side, if uh, you're stuck with the cap hit, um, then you go into the season ready to make trades and ready to move money around and ready to promote your um, younger players like. Uh, um, Evgeny Svechnikov, or give uh, Mantha a full run, a full 82 game run, um, or hell, even giving guys like maybe uh, uh, M- M- Marty Furk or uh, you know whoever, um, not Eric Tankrady, <laughs> uh, uh, a really a really good chance to make this team and make an impact, and then um, finally take the training wheels off of Dylan Larkin and put him in a full-time center position because if Pavel Datsuk leaves, um, leaves, that needs to be like numero uno. Like Larkin needs to be moved into it. He needs to have his own line, whether it's second or first line. That kid needs to have his own first line. Um, And it's a lot to ask of a 20-year-old, but I think it's probably something that the Red Wings should really consider. So uh, real quick through the rest of y'all, uh, best case scenario, worst case scenario, whether he stays or leaves. Um, how do you how do you feel, JJ? First, I think uh, you pretty much nailed down all the angles. I think regardless of whether if he leaves, and w- one way or another, if we have that that cap hit, I say we should see about moving enough salary to sign Stamkos regardless, and also trust in the kids because I think that works either way. You keep Dotsuk, <clears throat> uh, you uh, dump some salary that you don't want or you can possibly live without and you still play sorry rv mantha athanasiu bring joe hicketts up just all of this good young talent with stamkos also that's what i want to see happen all right lauren i i can't say i disagree i mean you just gotta um you know when you're when you're dealing with um a fluctuating like cap hit of you know 7.5 million dollars um you know, there's definitely a lot to consider. So I think just making whatever decisions make the most financial sense for the Wings is going to be the best. But yeah, screw it, go for Stamkos. Absolutely, I think that's playing with <laughs> yeah, playing I with think, the kids. Yeah, either way, either way you look at it, I think that's like a big uh, a big goal for the Red Wings, uh, whether they make it or they don't. And if they don't, then hey, they hike the price up to whoever wants to pay for them. Graham, go. Um. You, you, you go for Stamkos. Um, I also think that if you're going to go just kind of crazy, um, you take a look at the uh, RFA pool and maybe sign some. If you can't get Stamkos, maybe look and sign some, uh, maybe sign an RFA to some sort of uh, offer sheet or something. Like I'm looking right now, like, I mean, the one guy that keeps getting mentioned is Sammy Vatanen. And, uh, you know, he's an RFA after the year. You could trade for him and or just sign him and then make see if Anaheim even matches. You could also go for a guy like Kyle Ocposo, who would be, I believe, an unrestricted free agent. Yeah, there's some, there are other good free agents out there. I mean, Stamkos, I mean, look, every team's going to want Stamkos. I think it's, it's ultimately going to come down to Tampa, Toronto, and mystery team. Although the Red Wings keep getting mentioned with Stamkos, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think people are just kind of throwing that at the wall just to see if it sticks. I mean, you get people like Bob McKenzie mentioning that he's considered the possibility, and I don't think that happens with as, as connected as that as he is especially. I don't think that happens without there being just even the faintest whisper of smoke 
um, somewhere. So I, I don't know. It just, it just you never know. I know some people are talking about maybe like uh, uh, David Backus yeah. or. Uh, you know, or you know, guys like that. And it's like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't make sense to me. Um, you, <laughs> to me. I mean, he doesn't. Um, I don't know. I'm looking through the the list of free agents that are available, and uh, I mean, unrestricted wise, nobody really goes really stands out. Um, I don't know. Well, I would I mean, say that if the Red Wings could finagle like a like a a two year contract, which is not possible for David Backus on a second line center role that would be badass but i don't think that it will be that that reality i think that he's going to get a long-term contract and it's going to be ugly um wherever he ends up signing with so um before we uh before we get out to the prospects report i just got a really good idea that came from a little voice in my head that why don't the red wings perhaps offer the ability to uh temu solani datsuk and like give him half the damn season off like hey show up in january you'll be fine <laughs> and that's yeah i mean you, would he be able to like go to russia for half the season i, I he mean he wouldn't be able to play there no but he'd be able to but be but there he, at least but if he yeah. wanted to just be there i mean that's what solani did i mean he didn't play he just basically said fuck off i'm on vacation until january peace out i mean if the red wings thought that they could do that i don't see why you wouldn't at least float the idea to him i mean there's there's no circumvention. They're still in the hook for the cap. They're still in the hook for the roster spot. I mean, if they just basically say, "Look, you know, you're you just you just don't don't play." Nobody nobody should say anything because they're still suffering the the ramifications of the cap hit and the roster spot. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be ideal, but I'd take it over no Datsuk. Yeah, it's yeah. basically you're, you're basically healthy scratching him for half a season. Yeah, show sure. up with the Russian tan, and he yeah. comes back and he's super fit and ready to go or he's not fit he's been drinking vodka and beer the whole time who knows but whatever uh what we want to do now is we want to talk more about the the youth so we're going to pass it along to michelle for another one of her fantastic prospect reports so michelle why don't you go ahead and take us away The Griffins have clinched a berth in the 2016 Calder Cup playoffs. Their 5-2 win over the Rochester Americans on Sunday gave them 88 points on the season and ensured that they'll have a chance to contend for the biggest trophy in the AHL for the third year in a row. After the Griffins' 13-game win streak that went from February 20th to March 19th was ended by the San Antonio Rampage in a 2-0 shutout on March 20th, the Griffins then lost four games in a row before earning a 6-1 win over the Americans on April Fools, suffering a 6-3 loss to the Toronto Marlins on Saturday, and then a 5-2 win over the Americans on Sunday. Zach Nastasiak had two goals and an assist in the 5-2 win over the Americans to notch his second and third AHL goals, and he was named first star of the game. Nasty spent most of the season either in Toledo with the walleye or as a healthy scratch in Grand Rapids, but it's never been because of a lack of effort or determination. He suffered a concussion from a bad hit towards the end of last season, and he wasn't completely recovered to start his first professional season this year, so he definitely had a slow start. There are some players, though, that you just innately want to root for, who you want to succeed no matter what, and Nastasiak is one of those players for me. He's a great kid, and hopefully he'll continue to get a chance to prove that he has what it takes at the AHL level. The Griffins' newly signed center out of Harvard, Kyle Crisculo, played in the two most recent Griffins games and was a plus two and had six shots on goal. The Griffins have six regular season games left to jockey for positioning in the Calder Cup playoffs. They currently sit second in the Central Division and third in the Western Conference with 88 points, so they should have home ice advantage unless the wheels fall off in the last couple weeks. 
After playing three games and three nights last weekend, the Griffins have a few days off before taking on the Chicago Wolves Friday night in Grand Rapids, then again Saturday night in Chicago, then traveling to Des Moines to take on the Iowa Wild Monday night. The Griffins' final game of the regular season will be in Grand Rapids on Saturday, April 16th, so if you have a chance to get out and go, I highly recommend it. Down in Toledo, the Walleye also clinched not only a playoff berth, but also the division and still sit atop the Eastern Conference with 97 points and their second in the league only to the Missouri Mavericks, the ECHL affiliate of the New York Islanders. The Walleye have had tough times lately with injuries to key players, but they got a most welcome reinforcement on defense when Vili Sariarvi was assigned to the team after a brief stop in Grand Rapids once the Flint Firebird season was over. Sariarvi had three assists, two shots on goal, and was a plus two in his first pro game, and then didn't register a point but had five shots in his next two games with the Walleye. The good news is that it looks like he's going to jump right in and actually play consistently, which is fantastic news, and it'll give him a chance to get his mind and body transitioned and prepare him for the AHL, which is hopefully where he'll be next season. The Wings' only other prospect currently in Toledo, Jake Patterson, has been splitting starts with Jeff Lurg, and he's won his last three games and 10 of his last 11 starts. His 923 save percentage is 7th best in the league and 3rd best among all rookie goaltenders, and he continues to improve and provide great goaltending for the Walleye. The Walleye have two regular season games left. Friday night they host the Kalamazoo Wings and then visit Kazoo on Saturday to wrap up the regular season. In other prospects news, Adam Marsh remains out of the lineup for the St. John's Sea Dogs with an upper body injury and he hasn't played since March 6th. We don't know what the injury is yet other than upper body, but he did have concussion issues earlier in the season and missed almost a month at that time. The Sea Dogs beat the Titan four games to one in their first round playoff series and they will advance to the next round. Evgeny Svechnikov and the Screaming Eagles bested the Chikutni Sanguinines four games to two to move on to the second round of the playoffs for the first time in seven years. In those six games, Chevy recorded two goals and ten points and only had two penalty minutes, which I absolutely love seeing. He was 54% in the faceoff circle, taking 50 faceoffs, one power play goal, and two power play assists. The Eagles will face Adam Marsh's St. John's Sea Dogs in the second round, and we'll wait to see if Marsh is able to play at all. Out in the Western Hockey League, Joe Hicketts had a goal and two assists in the Victoria Royals' 5-3 win over the Spokane Chiefs in the first game of their first round series. Unfortunately, he suffered what I believe to be as a leg injury late in the game, and he didn't play in any of the Royals' remaining five games against the Chiefs. Victoria did advance to the next round, and we're still waiting to hear any update on Hicketts, but the Western Hockey League stops issuing injury reports once the playoffs hit, so information's difficult to come by. Before the playoffs started, though, the WHL announced their conference award winners for the regular season, and they named Hicketts the Western Conference's top defenseman as well as the Western Conference's player of the year. Dominic Turgeon didn't play in the Portland Winterhawks' final two games of the season as they were swept in four by the Everett Silvertips. Dom had shoulder surgery that ended his season prematurely, but it's something that was bothering him for about a month, and he wanted to be fully healthy and healed and get it taken care of so that he can come into training camp next year for the Wings and be ready to go, presumably to start his professional career in Grand Rapids. In the BCHL, Chase Perry and the Wenatchee Wild were knocked out of the playoffs in the second round by the Chilliwack Chiefs. Perry was in net for all five games in the second round and nine of the Wilds' ten playoff games. He had a playoff save percentage of 9.06, a goals against average of 2.74, had four wins, five losses, and one shutout. In college hockey news, 
Well, there isn't any, because none of the Wings College Prospects teams made it past the second round. But over in Europe, Christopher N. and Forlunda continue to march forward, and they've won the first game of their second round series against Lulia, and have only lost one of their six playoff games so far. My awesome, not-so-secret European prospect insider, Patrick Bexell, that's Zeb underscore Habs on Twitter, continues to provide some great insight into N's performance and role on the team, even though he hasn't put up a point yet in the playoffs. He sent me a quote from a local report the day after the quarterfinals wrapped up. The quote said, N has been fierce. It's easy to rejoice with him. He's now being rewarded for his hard work. He doesn't get benched on and off. It goes to show what confidence does to a player. Patrick has told me that in the games, N is getting tough matchups. Despite being a junior player in the playoffs, N is getting tough line matchups, which goes to show how much coach Roger Ronberg trusts him and has confidence in his abilities. Romberg's philosophy regarding young players is incredibly refreshing and encouraging to hear. He told Patrick something that was pretty exciting, and even though he was talking about a different prospect at the time, it also applies to N. The coach said, I'm just a gardener tending to a greenhouse. This, meaning playoffs, is harvest time to see if I did a good job earlier. This is when we reap the rewards. Eleknin is a perfect example. It's another prospect that's playing for Folunda. We worked together for two years, and look what happens when all the pieces come together. The same philosophy that he has about developing other young players also applies to N. The coach continues to give N tough matchups and trust him, and that's great to hear. I love hearing this philosophy from a coach tending to prospects of the NHL team that I happen to love. Axel Holmstrom and Schlefti are also in the second round of their playoffs, and so far Homer has a goal in the first two games of the series, and he has two goals and five points in six playoff games total, which ties him for league lead in points among all junior players in the playoffs, and he leads all junior players in the face-off circle at 56.1% success rate. He's also averaging 13 minutes and 26 seconds per game, which isn't bad, especially for such a young player. Schlefti is another team that's completely embraced the use and development of the young players, and Axel Holmstrom's been an important part of their success this season, and he and the team have benefited greatly from the opportunities he's been given. As with N and Forlunda, Holmstrom's another case where I'm incredibly thankful that his coach has the attitude that it's important and beneficial to play and grow younger players. Remember, Holmstrom's still a junior player at 19 years old on a team that's deep both for Schlefti and Forlunda. It, would pro- it could be easy for the coach to look at such young players and tend to go with veterans or put other people in the lineup ahead of them. But both coaches have stuck with these young players, and it's paying dividends. In Finland, Julius Vatalo and TPS were knocked out of the playoffs in the second round by Karpat, and Vatalo didn't play in their final game. In the playoffs, he had eight shots on goal and averaged nine minutes and 24 seconds per game and played a total of six out of their eight playoff games. In Russia, SKA St. Petersburg was eliminated from the playoffs by CSK Moscow in a four-game sweep. Now Alexander Katykin only played in one game in that series and had one minute and 30 seconds on ice and won his only face-off. I don't really understand everything that's gone on with that team this season and the drama and the way the coach has chosen to use the players, so I'm not going to try and speculate on it. But I will say that it's been confusing, and when even top players aren't being played in the playoffs, it kind of makes you wonder what else is going on. At any rate, SK's season is over and we'll have to wait till next season to see if anything else changes for Alexander. So a good chunk of the Red Wings prospects are either in the playoffs or have been eliminated or didn't make the playoffs, and you've got both the Griffins and the Walleye coming up quickly on their playoffs. It's an exciting time of season for sure. And until next week, that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects.
Thank you so much, Michelle, for another fantastic prospect report. Doing the work that many of us just cannot do. Uh, thank you for your passion and all your hard work there. Um, we are going to shoot it over to JJ, um, the biggest jerk in the WIM world, uh, to do the reader questions. I was just kidding, JJ, by the way. Um, but you're still, dick face. You're still... <laughs> oh, God, you're such a ball sack. Um, JJ... <laughs> We got reader questions. You suck, so go ahead. Let's do them. Okay, the very first one from T and Cake or Death. As an opponent who is scary right now, Boston or Philly, real quick, Kyle. Philly. Graham. Philly. Lauren. Philly. Yep. (laughs) If your life was a television documentary, what TV actor would play the part of you? That is an easy one for me, and it would be, um, I don't know if he's considered a TV actor, but uh, Brian Gosling, because he's dashing and good looking and, that, that, and and that's me <laughs> shut up he's a he's a tv actor too if you can do movies you can do tv i don't know if that's true shut up okay fine yeah i don't want to cram who you got anthony edwards that's perfect yeah can't top that yeah that's good <laughs> i there's a there's a, I, there's a quick story it's my wife when she watched er religiously and for a long time called me doc green not in the bedroom that would that would have been weird <laughs> this is after hours with me pillow talk <laughs> lauren who you got who's uh who's playing you oh that's the problem is like if it's got to be a tv actor um or actress i guess uh, uh, movie actress what say again stage play act- yeah, movie actress stage oh. play who cares uh commercial actress you be jan <laughs> toyota, toyota, toyota jan <laughs> um, yeah, if we can do movie actresses, then I would say probably Jennifer Lawrence. Nice. I like that. I that, so. Um, I cannot avoid Seth Rogen, right? <laughs> no, no uh, way. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, arbitration. When can you feel comfortable distinguishing between luck and skill, especially shooting and save percentage? Basically, you know, there's a lot of, you know, everything's small sample size that this is bound to regress, um, at what point does a sample get big enough where you say, no, this guy is actually much better than average at shooting the puck? Oh, that's a good question. And I mean, for I a goalie, what is it, 3,000 minutes, I think? Uh, is... I, you know, minutes is the, is the metric that many have used, but I've gotten more keen to using shots, um, just like shots based. Uh, and even then, and, and that's the only reason I've really said that is because of I'm listening to smarter people uh, on Twitter. Um, it, it just it, it seems like that's a better metric for it. And even then, I still don't really know. But um, I guess if we were to go with minutes, three thousand minutes as a goalie, that's pretty solid. Um, I don't know in terms of shooting percentage in games. I two seasons. I, I started a hundred games. I'd, I'd put it at 100 games probably before you start to to really get a sense. But, yeah, two seasons is probably where I'm at. I'm saying this is more indicative of what he's going to do long term. Might even go three seasons, really, if you think about it. Yeah, I was initially thinking three seasons, but that might actually be a little too long. I think that sweet spot probably somewhere between two and three seasons. So probably around the 200 game mark, right, assuming they play full seasons. Yeah, so you get about two and a half seasons. Yeah, that would be that's all. That'll be my answer. Two hundred games for a shooter. Yeah, I'm sure that like I'm sure that out somewhere out there, this question is answered statistically wonderfully. Uh, I'm asking you, the listener, if you know where that article is, to go ahead and put it in the comments here, because uh, that's a really interesting question. 
we talked about Sam Coast already, but Case Stenzi wants to know, like, with this blood clot issue, uh, what does that do to, like, his off-season value? Anything? Uh, I mean, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how blood clots play out over uh, a long term. Uh, Prashanth would be a really good source for that. Um, he made it seem like blood clots weren't that big of a deal uh, prior to uh, the podcast when we were speaking in our little group chat. Um, but I mean, at the same time, I've seen blood clots kill people before. <laughs> so um, not saying that that is the case at all, by God. Um, but, you know, it can be very mild. It can also be very severe. Um, he's young. I don't think it really – he had a successful surgery on it. So I don't know. Lauren, I know that you work in the medical fields. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, so you might be the best of the of all of us to ask in that regard. Obviously, age has a lot to do with it. So what would be your thoughts on that? Um, I work in a, uh, a cardiac unit, so we do get a lot of patients with blood clots in, like in their vessels, in their lungs, things like that. And it seems like what Stamkos has, it's a, it's a specific, I don't want to say disease because it's, it's not really a, an illness because it's more of an anatomical thing. Um, but he has a, a known issue that has been corrected. So I'm I'm trying to remember what it was that like Pascal Dupuis had because I know he's had blood clots I think I, more on more than one occasion now. Um, but it seems like with Stamkos because he had this thoracic outlet syndrome where he had a rib that was putting putting pressure on this blood vessel that would cause the clot. Um, you know, it kind of seems like the issue has been resolved and it doesn't seem like it's going to be a thing that could cause him trouble again unless it were to happen maybe on the other side like on his in his left arm because this time it was on his right arm but at the same time he does have a teammate that went through the same thing and that's Andre Vasilevsky who had surgery I believe it was I don't think it was this uh past fall I think it was the fall before but he had the same procedure and he you know he's been he's been good since then so I don't see this affecting Stamkos and his future contract or his career at this point so I like to me I, I don't see it you know affecting like how much any given team is going to pay him I don't think it's going to scare teams away from trying to sign him or like committing long term um, just because like I said it, it does seem like it is an issue that has been addressed and corrected yeah I think he'll get seven or eight years yep. regardless. Mm-hmm. thank yep. you He's going to get paid. Okay, the next question comes from a commenter whose username is Stevie Y backwards and then 19 forward. So if you read the entire thing backwards, it's actually 91 Stevie Y. Good job on that one, but guy. Um, <laughs> paraphrasing the question is essentially what has to happen from this point forward where Ken Holland is going to would keep Jimmy Howard and trade Morazic in the offseason? Oh, yeah, I don't no. think that happened. Yeah, it doesn't it's, happen. Uh, uh, the only I, yeah. that scenario is I don't even think you trade Morazic in that case, <laughs> though, because Jimmy Howard Consmith. Yeah, I don't. Think, I don't think. You I, can I don't think you trade Morazic, but his value goes down, so you can bridge him and yeah. carry a, a goaltending cap hit that's palatable. Yeah, because I think I, I mean, if Morazic doesn't play again and Howard goes on to win the Conn Smythe, then Howard's already locked in, and Morazic only gets like $2 million a year, and you're still... I had uh, I, yeah, I had said it in um, 
I did a, a little interview um, on a radio show last night, um, mon- Monday night uh, in Mount Pleasant. Uh, I fully expect possibly that, that Jimmy Howard might end up playing his way either into the Red Wings lineup next season, um, which might be a bad thing. But uh, better yet, if he plays his way into the lineup next season, then that means he has sky-high trade value. So um, that's just a little hot take for me. But I don't see the Red Wings uh, trying to trade him, uh, Peter Mrazek, unless the uh, the return is just so astronomical, like you can't say no, like like a Ryan Nugent Hopkins or a Taylor Hall, like a, an elite skill that could really set the team off. Um, I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah, Either that or the only, you, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, unless Morazic just, you know, completely, you know, flips the bird and says, you know, screw this, I'm out of here because I'm not the starter anymore. But And even if he I, did, he doesn't, you know. He, he doesn't really have the agent. And they so. control so, him. In that case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they control him. The only option, the other thing I could see potentially, you know, we keep floating around this uh, trade to um, Anaheim for for Vodnin, like a Nyquist or Vodnin kind of deal. I mean, maybe you get a trade where you trade because doesn't Anaheim have like fifty goalies? They also have, yeah, they well, they have Anderson and Gibson, who is their tandem right now. I don't know who the hell else they have at this point. I don't know. I thought they had they have a somebody lot of, else. They have a lot of well. young, talented defensemen, like a lot, who are all restricted free agents, who they all have to pay sooner or later. Um, so, and they have a lot of ugly contracts up front that will, you know, really, um, really, really put them to the brink there. I, I, you know, so you got to think that they're going to move somebody, and if it's going to be anybody, I think it's going to be Vatnin because if I was. Any GM worth his weight in gold would not move a guy like Lindholm or uh, what's the other stud they have? Theodore. Um, I don't. I just don't see it. So yeah, uh, Anton Kadobin is their third goalie. Who? I believe Anderson. Anton Kadobin. He was CB in um, Carolina. Never heard of him. He runs a food court. <laughs> <laughs> Anton Kudoba. <laughs> God, and they you. got a bunch of oh Dustin Tatar Tatarski's in in their system. So who? I don't know. I, yeah, I I potentially I could see if they were to make a trade to get somebody back, including Morazic in a package. Again, I think the chances of that happening are are less than one percent. Uh, Morazic's going to be on the team next year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, WJR asked two questions about Datsuk that are like literally right up the alley that we talked about. So. Um, Good job making sure we didn't miss those. Uh, E-Dubna has also asked the Datsu question, but he kind of asked uh, something we didn't touch on, is if we do get um, stuck with the cap hit, is it possible that Kenny maybe does a wink-wink, nudge-nudge with Mrazek and DeKaiser and Shea and, uh, you know, our pending RFAs to say, listen, I know that you're worth more than this, but would you please take a shorter deal so we can deal with this cap hit thing and, uh, and we're going to take care of you on the back end? Is that and possible? Maybe, and maybe bring a blue chip free agent like Steven Stamkos or Kyle Poso in. <laughs> um, that might be a part of it. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, I mean, it, I, if there's anything that Ken Holland lately hasn't done very well, it's the hometown discount. So, um, you know, he's done pretty well with RFAs. Yes no. He has. He, does. He, has I mean, he, really handles, well. he handled the RFAs almost perfectly. He bridges everybody. Everybody got bridges. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tatar Nyquist, Tatar's still on his bridge deal. Um, Mrazek, as good as he was last year in the playoffs and as good as he was for that stretch, I don't think he's at the point where he's earned some sort of astronomical raise that's going to pay him, you know, $4 million a year or something like that. I could absolutely see them going to Mrazek and saying, look, you've started, you've basically been the starter for one year. You had a good year, not a great year because you got, you kind of fell apart towards the end. Um, we'll give you two years at two and a quarter. You know, let's see what you can do, which is what they should do with goalies anyway, because you should never pay absolutely three years regardless of who it is. Um, the, the one guy I think it's going to be more difficult to do that with is DeKaiser because yeah, you, he's you, played yeah. his way in, into a situation where he's really become one of, if not the most important defenseman on the Red Wings because Cronwell's locked in, but he's he's diminished. He's just not the guy he was. Shane, I think, is going to get a bridge deal regardless of what happens with Datsuk or anything else because, again, only until really the last last couple of weeks he's been he's had a, a, a very blast season so i don't think it's necessarily he's going to have to do kind of the wink wink nudge nudge dan cleary deal um, i think that's probably going to be his his um, strategy going into it into the offseason anyway yeah that's a good one plus i mean at, at there becomes a question at, at that point of like yeah okay kenny sure whatever the hell you say um what what do shane and morazic have to to benefit from that, I th- yeah, I, I agree with with Graham completely. It's going to be that's what Kenny's going to do anyway. Uh, okay, we're into the uh, the duck questions now. I'm just going to ask this question. We don't have to answer it. I just want to ask it because it's because it makes Kyle mad. Um, Osh Eleven, who is always the one who does this, should we send our tank grade sized duck with machete arms into the Boston locker room in an attempt to, of sabotage? Or will our dick-sized nipples be enough to scare them into submission? You send it in. <laughs> I didn't see. You don't have to answer the question. Uh, it's just a fantastic. Um, and then uh, Arbitrary and Capricious, which is a, a great username, yeah. uh, gives us an FMK. And we are going to answer this one. Uh, <laughs> FMK, Eric Tangrady, an Eric Tangrady-sized duck, and a duck-sized Eric Tangrady. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's really tough, isn't it? I'm going to make you go first, Kyle. No. Okay. Um, you want to f the duck face Tangrady? What? That's weird. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> you want to fuck a duck? I don't know. Whatever. Um, just a tiny man. Okay. <laughs> that's can weird. we just kill? Can weird. I just do a like? Just kill them all? <laughs> no, no that's you, cheating. You. All right. I married Eric Tangrady. And then the other two don't matter. No, you f Tangrady because he's a normal-sized adult human being. You marry the duck-sized Eric Tangrady, and you kill the duck because ducks are they're they're less important than people. Plus, that's a gigantic duck. Yeah, it's scary big duck. Think about the poop you'd have to clean up for that. You know what's <laughs> just some mercy killing really at that point. Yeah, you could roast that giant duck at the wedding to the tiny Tangrady. There you go. Oh, perfect. Graham is correct in this situation. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny King Tank Grady spouse would be so easy. You'd be like, are you cheating on me? I'm like, no, baby. Get back in the closet. <laughs> uh, you keep him in, yeah, in a, in a, not the closet, cabinet. Yeah, here you go. Oh, my God, it's even worse. 
Akadiani uh, six does not have a question, but does say if you guys want to take this time to gloat about how we were right not to trade Howard because we didn't know if Peter could hold up for a season. Now is your chance. Oh yeah, we were, yeah. yeah. We are really. Yeah, we we knew it. So once Brendan Smith starts playing again, we're going to be right about everything. So you guys might as well just get on board. <laughs> Grandma Larkin wants to wants us to explain why AA and Mantha don't get more playing time. Oh God. <sighs> it's. It's, I, I'll tell you right now, it's because Blashill isn't being his own man. He's not being his own coach. He's trying too much to be like Babcock. I, look, I, I get the reasoning. I don't agree with it. I don't. I get it. I understand why he's making the decisions he's making with the ice time. Um, the article by um, Jordan Heath Rawlings, it was about why the Red Wings should miss the playoffs, which was yeah, basically... Yeah, that, that was a good piece. Yeah, I remember It was that. a really good... I don't agree with the premise that they should miss... The no, playoffs. Um, but I I did agree with the premise that you're you're not developing the younger guys by sitting them at all. I mean, it's basically this is the next generation of players that is you're going to be relying on because Tatar and Nyquist are not the cornerstones. They're still complementary pieces. They're important pieces, but they're complementary. The the new generation that you're going to be building around is is now starting to trickle in. It's Larkin. It's Athanasia. It's Mantha um, playing them seven or eight minutes a night on a team that is trying to make the playoffs. It's the old school thinking of, well, they'll absorb the experience, which doesn't make any sense. They just need to just they just need to play. And if you win with them, you win. And if you lose with them, you lose with them. It is what it is, you know. So I, I don't know yeah. that that piece was I thought that piece was bang on. Um that's what I think. It's just, it's just, he's just, he's trying to make the playoffs is what he's trying to do. And he's relying on the guys that, that have the experience and he thinks are more, more likely to get him there by playing safer. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the, the right way to go about it. I just think that I would rather try to extend leads and those guys are good at it. Um, and if it comes down yeah. to, if we lose the season because of a defensive screw up by a, Athanasiu, I don't think that's going to destroy him. But whatever, you dance with the people who brought you here, so it's going to be all Luke Lindenning all the time. Pretty much. Holmstrom96 uh, asks, can you tell us your best joke? Lauren, I know you prepared for this. <laughs> um, my best joke actually comes to us courtesy of the Detroit Tigers tonight, who um, in their season opener decided to pull a Red Wings and um, get a ninth inning lead seven to four only to blow said lead and go to extra innings Um, they did fortunately just win in the 11th inning eight to seven um, as of a few minutes ago but uh, to me that is the best joke because it's almost as if they are trying to emulate the Red Wings and that's funny to me and also painful that is a sad joke. It is a sad joke. <laughs> uh, my best joke is uh, the duck size Eric Tangrady bullshit that just keeps living on. <laughs> Graham, do you have an actual joke? Yeah. Uh, so one of my favorite jokes, and this is probably JJ's probably going to find this pretty funny. I actually heard this uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. It's uh, a man walks into a zoo and the only animal in the entire zoo is a dog and it's a shit zoo. 
God, you were I such do a dad. love that joke. That's such a good joke. Oh man, I'm gonna tell that at work tomorrow. Nobody's gonna laugh at me. I'm gonna look like a psycho. I'm gonna get fired. All right. Uh, why did the chicken cross the road, Kyle? Um, chickens don't need to cross roads. They live in the country. The chicken crossed the road to get to the dumbass's house. Knock, knock. Who's there? The chicken. <laughs> the chicken who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We need to stop. Pot- Lauren, we need to just cut these guys off. Stop podcasting with dads. This is bad. This is getting bad. <laughs> I'm sorry about your feelings, Kyle. I didn't mean that. It really hurt me. <laughs> write you a really. I'm gonna write you a long email tomorrow morning. It's such a kid burn joke too. <laughs> I taught my kids the uh, the interrupting cow knock knock joke, and like they mm-hmm. won't stop telling it constantly. Oh, good, you deserve it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You it's deserve so, it so it's much. I hope they do it until they're in their their twenties. Uh, they probably will. I keep good. telling it. What the hell not? Um, <laughs> for anybody, no, we don't need to tell you. You look it up. Uh, Big text three hundred four getting back on track. Uh, wants to know about, he says one of his pet peeves is when the wings are on the power play and the D just sits behind the net for five seconds or more, uh, essentially setting up the rush. Uh, why the hell does it take so long and does do other teams actually do this? The answer is, yeah, other teams do this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Red Wings are worse about it. Well, the Red Wings the Red Wings have done this for a long time. It doesn't matter who the coach is. Um, they do it in all strengths. They don't do it in just the power play. They do it on at even strengths too. Um, it's been a big complaint of mine for a while now. So I don't know why they do it. Um, call it Babcockisms. I don't know, but yeah, they they take way too long behind the net trying to find a play, and then they try and do the the little stretch pass, and it gets intercepted. CC Eric, Jonathan Erickson, he does that shit all the time. So. Yeah, the, 50 se- the 15 second delay that leads to an icing is just my favorite play. Oh, God. Uh, App State has a couple of questions, and then he asks three. Uh, a couple <laughs> is two, Nick. If you ask three, that's that's a group or a it's few a few. questions. Yeah, not a couple. So uh, basically, he wants to know if we could buy out Dotsuk if uh, we know he's going to leave. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, yeah. Later on in the comments, it's a $1.8 million cap hit. Uh, for the next two years, so that wouldn't be that bad, but still, it don't hurt. Uh, is everybody ready to see Glennie matched up against opponents top line during the postseason? Yeah, yeah. yeah, fucking a, bring it on. Let's get weird. Happened during the postseason. Yeah, and then our uh, Skittles a candy bar. No, no, no. comes in a no. bag. No, yeah, even I say no, and I'm a I'm very pro. And, Starburst and JJ Starburst. is the super candy asshole. Yeah, Starburst bars are candy bar. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? I didn't believe that to begin with, but now I do. So it's true. Weak-minded person. Well, I just I believe uh, it. Now. Oh, whatever. But Comes in a bar. Shut up. It's yeah, a bar of candy. It's a candy. It is a bar of candy. Yeah, in the literal sense, it is a bar of candy. Well, there's a good you one for uh, some individual. For... Can't... Shut up. Yeah, but it's a bar. When you break it open, it's not a bar anymore. But when you buy it, it is a bar of candy. It is a candy bar. The only uh, thing oh, so right now talking to you guys is one that has booze. Uh, Lancerman gave us a whole group of rate this on a scale of one to ten. So let's uh, here's the, here's the echo. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, one being no way, and ten is a solid fact. So we're just gonna go real quick on this. Uh, one to ten, there is a conflict between veteran players and Blashill. Five. Ah, uh, go six. 
Lauren? Mm, I'm going to go with a five. I'm also a five. It feels like it's true, but we have nothing that necessarily says that outside of Slovakian newspapers. Uh, Cronwell needs surgery that he could have had two months ago, but decided to play through the pain. One to ten. One. Ten. Sorry, ten. Uh, eight. Bye, Graham. Do we lose Graham? Yeah, I no. think we... Did I... Oh, you, I you said eight. Oh, eight? Sorry. Okay. Okay. eight. Eight. <laughs> we got an eight from Graham. Oh, I'm, so. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a six. Scope. Because he... Yeah, well, he, he did technically have surgery yeah. that's what the scope was i think he came back too quickly because i i mean he came back in the the um at the one week mark for his his injury that he suffered against the rangers a few weeks ago but it still seemed like he came back from the scope pretty early too if i'm not mistaken yeah like so, one week uh no he was out for for a couple weeks from that, but it it still just seemed like he was. Oh, that's right. That earlier than he should have been. On the, the sprain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan Sproul will play twenty games for the Red Wings. <laughs> one. Yeah, one. I'll give it a two for Brendan Smith. <laughs> I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and go with a two as well. <laughs> it's going to hey. depend on waivers next year, I think. That's a good point. Yeah. A former Red Wing will be an assistant coach for the Red Wings next year. God, I'm trying to think of who. Eleven, Dan Cleary. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> no chopping okay, that. That's answer. the answer. Oh yeah, yeah. right there. Next up, there will be a shocking draft day, day trade this year involving the Red Wings. It'll be uh, trade. So yeah, that's shocking by itself. Ten. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with a. I'll go with a nine just to be different. I'll give you a six to go with that nine. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um. Uh, ooh, it seems more likely than in years past, so I'll go with a seven. All right. Next, uh, Dylan Larkin will never score 30 or more goals in a season. Three. I'm going to go with a four. Ah, you know, fuck that. I'm going to go with, you know what? I'm going to go with a one. Bold move. Yep. Lauren, what do you got? I want to go with two because he's already at close to what is he at this year close to 25 already so he's gonna hit four he's gonna hit 40 by the time he hits 27 so whatever deal with I it i'll also go too just because lauren and i are two buddies <laughs> next up polkin and yurko have already played their last game as red wings one i can't believe it's both of them so yeah it's a one yeah it's definitely one but if it was only one of them it'd be way different but it does say and yeah. i will also go with a one yeah, I know. If it was one of the two... Your one was of, still signed next year also. No, I'm saying if one yeah. of the two was Polkanen, it'd be way different. Yes. Could be a one right. when, if they clinch and that Ranger game means nothing, they both get in the lineup to rest some veterans. Right. Also true. Well, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. Good point, yeah. Good job, Jim. Last, Last one of uh, this... this... Goddamn Echo. <laughs> <laughs> From this category, uh, the drumstick-looking chicken wing part is better than the winglet-looking ch- chicken wing part. Ten. Ten, for sure, yeah. Or meat. Yeah, easier. See, I go with a four there. I actually prefer the winglet, because it's easier to get all of the meat off the winglet. I don't feel, like, ripped off by it, all the shit that stays stuck to the bone. Mm. But I'm not, like, that interested in fighting over chicken wings. 
So that's why it's a four. Lauren, do you have an opinion? Um, I prefer boneless wings. You oh, cheater. God, you are the you. worst. So you want chicken <laughs> tenders. You want chicken chunks. Uh, yes. You are the reason. You are the <laughs> salt of the earth. <laughs> um, you're, the, I, you're the kind of person who's ruining ethnic food in America. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think it, part of my aversion to like eating bone-in chicken wings or drumsticks or whatever has something to do with the anatomy classes I have taken in my schooling career. So you probably order a BLT without the bacon. No. <laughs> I'm just I order it without the tomato because tomatoes are disgusting. Ooh. Right on there. I thought no. you were going to say you were Mama Cassius in a previous life or something. <laughs> That's an old people joke. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't get it. Right over my head. <laughs> as most of your as most of your jokes do go they go right over my head old man hockey is listening to that laughing his ass off so. <laughs> <laughs> oh he does he does come up with some stuff where i'm just like what <laughs> okay moving on uh rw lubab wants to know why the hell Cronwall wears a visor if it only covers his forehead uh a lot of players do that um and i actually asked uh, Johan Franz in this at um, training camp uh, during the last offseason because he started wearing a visor. And uh, the reason for this was because uh, it covers the sides of their head uh, in board battles. Um, it, it, it Basically, if a player is coming in from their side uh, with momentum, um, it can absorb some of the shock to their head, and that is exactly why he wears it. Apparently, well, apparently he um, he wore it that way in the American League too, because in the AHL, visors are required for every player. It's yeah, it, yeah, it's that's not a good one. it's not a grandfathered thing like it is in the NHL now. But um, so that's how he wore it when he was in the AHL. So he just you know kept wearing one and kept wearing it in the same way when he came to the NHL. Yeah, no point in taking it off. Obviously, it's not protecting his eyes as well as it could be, but. It's yeah. comfortable for him. Yeah, I mean that's just what Franzen told me when 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 I asked him at training camp. So I don't know. It's a good answer too. Yeah. Uh, Bird Tire wants to know if we agree with Richards being in the top six, presumably over Manta. What was it again? Uh, wants to know if we're like, what do we think about the move to move Richards up on Dotsuk's wing instead of and moving Manta down? Well, the only thing I have to say is that they've won ever since they've done it. So until it fails, go with it. Um, sure. Yeah. I didn't mind it either because moving Mantha down reunited him with Athanasiu. But yeah, that's really then good. they still didn't get any more ice time, even playing with Luke Glendening because Glendening got double shifted on like <laughs> the top line with Zetterberg and Larkin or yeah. Zetterberg and Avocator or whoever it was for unknown reasons um yeah. and then mantha and athanasiu still got stapled to the bench it's kind of weird how glenn denning can just be on the fourth line yet play fucking 15 he's minutes on every line like yeah. he yeah. just made he like just, that just like the journeyman it, it just like yeah it's journeyman throughout the red wings lines is not even like throughout the league or yeah. multiple leagues like the weird thing is it's I, not it, just I with how angry that makes me <laughs> yeah and it's not just defensive zone face-offs either like he gets a weird amount of offensive zone face-offs 
like he with does. Zetterberg's line. It's like I don't get that. Like well, I understand if you want to put Glendening out there for a defensive zone faceoff, and like okay, he'll come off, and then Larkin will come back on as soon as that gets out of there. But yeah, I get it because they. I think that the Red Wings as a whole, as an organization, value faceoff wins way too much, which has proven to be a very bad thing to hang yourself up on is winning faceoffs. Um, it, it, I think that's why, because he is, he's, he's actually really good in the faceoff dot, but, um, that's why he gets so many reps in on the faceoff. And, uh, that's why he sees so many minutes is because of that, uh, yeah. that, and it sucks, but whatever. But hell, I mean, also lately he's a, the hot offensive hand anyway. So yeah, Jesus Christ. Personally, I would rather see Athanasiu and Mantha up with Datsuk and Hellman Richards down with Glendening, but that's not going to happen. We're winning games with it, so I guess I'll shut up until we don't win games like that, and I'll just get back to screaming about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Kevin Coyle basically has a question that's like an entire podcast. Um, so, hmm. nope. And R. Sizzle wants to know why do the Tampa Bay Lightning hate us so much? Basically, they keep playing all of our closest foes and losing to them. Uh, do you really have to, do you do you really have to ask that? Who is their general manager? I don't know. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid that Stamkos is going to leave for us because Stamkos wants to come here because he wants to make Steve Eiserman because he hates Steve Eiserman angry. It's because they are fart sucking poop vampires. That is a great answer. So we'll uh, we'll end the questions on that. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> well, looking at the week ahead, uh, we already know what it is. Uh, you got the Flyers, you got the Bruins, you got the Rangers. Two of these games really matter. Hopefully, um, folks. What do we got out of three games? What are we looking at for the Red Wings? Uh, and do they make the playoffs? JJ, go. Uh, we're gonna make it. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, Graham, go. They're making it. Lauren, go. Yeah, they're making it. Kyle, go. They're going to make it, but it's going to come down to the third game. Screw you. And. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. I am your self-loathing host, Kyle. I'm going to go listen to Morrissey for the next four hours and drink whiskey. Thank you so much for tuning in. Kyle, Graham, Lauren, JJ, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you next week. Or talk to you next week and uh hopefully we are much happier uh because if we're not happy then we probably won't even do it so thank you so much uh everybody have a great night bye everybody we'll definitely see you next week we outside your window